It's become our, a bit of a custom here that after we finish a book that we do a topical series through something that we can address in the life of the church to help us equip, to be equipped for ministry. And elders, we, we talked about what we could teach through, what we could talk about that might be helpful to the church, to, to us. And we landed on talking about spiritual gifts, to do some sermons on spiritual gifts. And as I thought about how to preach this and go through it, I thought, really, before we start talking about spiritual gifts, we need to talk about service in the church. Because if we start talking about gifts before we talk about service, I'm afraid it can actually wind up paralyzing us and handicapping us. We shouldn't be looking first for the gifts. We should look first for service. Because God has equipped each and every one of us to do service in the church, and it's not optional. We must serve the kingdom of God. If we don't serve our Lord, then we are not His. And so I wanted to look at the example of Nehemiah, what happens here in Nehemiah chapter 2. And as we go through this passage, I'll name several other people who I seriously doubt they knew ahead of time how God was going to call them to serve. And they certainly didn't know or have the confidence that God had already equipped them to do the service which they were called to do. I deeply desire for you to understand the important service that you will do for the kingdom of God over the course of your life. That you will bear fruit for the kingdom of God at least tenfold. Maybe a hundredfold. Maybe more. You are made, you were born for service. And God will not let you off the hook. You will serve. You may not understand your place in the kingdom or even in this church. But that kind of doubt can lead you to do nothing at all. And you may not feel qualified to do anything at all. But your feeling of qualification has nothing to do with you actually being qualified. And on the flip side of that, just because somebody thinks they can do something doesn't mean they're qualified to do that thing either. I want to talk about Nehemiah because his, his life is amazing. And I really don't think that before this happened to him that he ever dreamed that his life's work would be to rebuild the city of his forefathers, the city of Jerusalem where the Lord had his temple. Let me give you a little background about what's going on in Nehemiah. The Babylonian kings had come and crushed Israel. They had crushed the king of Israel. They had broken down the walls. They had destroyed the temple of the living God and they had taken the people into captivity. And somehow in the midst of this, a man named Nehemiah we know nothing about. And in fact, he would be unknown to us completely if it were not for the book of Nehemiah. This guy, Nehemiah, had somehow found himself in the service of King Artaxerxes, and he was his cupbearer. And just so you know, being a cupbearer means that he served at the king's table, but he was almost certainly the king's taster, which means that he presided over the table and tasted things to make sure that no one was trying to poison King Artaxerxes. That was his job test the king's food first. The perks of the job were you got to be close to the king, you got to eat the best food. The worst part of the thing was you might get poisoned and die. So that was a rough uh, part of the job. This was a time of captivity, and the plight of the Jewish people was difficult indeed. Can you imagine being a Jew, an observant, God-loving, God-worshipping Jew, in the time of Nehemiah, after the temple had been destroyed and the kingship of David overthrown, where would your faith be? How would you reconcile what had happened? How would you still remain faithful to God? Nehemiah did. 
Word got back to Nehemiah, whose mind was constantly upon Jerusalem, that Jerusalem had been destroyed and apparently had been attacked again even after the captivity and the walls had burned down, the gates had been broken, and he was so sad that he just sat down and wept and he prayed to God. He confessed to God that he said, Lord, you, you said that if we stop following you, this is what would happen. And now you've brought your judgment on us and we are scattered all over the earth. Please, God, be merciful to your servant. Be merciful to your people. Please remember them. And so he goes as his duty calls and he goes into the presence of Nehemiah and this stuff is still on his mind and he's downcast before the king Artaxerxes and Artaxerxes notices it. And this is a dangerous time. And if you notice, it says that when Artaxerxes calls him out, it says that Nehemiah says, I was terrified. Because look, if you're the guy who tests the food to see if it's poisonous and you are in a sad mood or you look a little off or maybe look a little nervous, you start making the king nervous. You start making the king nervous and bad things happen immediately. So when Artaxerxes says, hey, what's wrong with you? You're not sick. Why are you looking sad? Nehemiah was terrified. But what happened there in his terror, he thought he could be killed. But what this was, it was opportunity knocking. He did not know that. He could not know that. He had prayed beforehand that he would receive favor in the face of the king. But that does not look at first how this is going. When Artaxerxes calls him out, I want you to look at what it says in verse 3. I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king, may the king live forever. Why should I not be sad where the city of my ancestors are buried, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king asked me, what is your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I want to put this where you live. So I've said to you today that every single one of us are called to serve God in some way, and I don't know what your way is. I'm not even sure what my final judgment will be and how many ways I will serve the Lord or what my overarching life's work will be. Nehemiah certainly didn't know. He had no idea when he went to work that day that he was about to become a captain of Jerusalem and a ruler of that city. And instead of King Artaxerxes, he had no idea. The Lord knew. But Nehemiah had no idea. And he didn't have a lot of time. By the way, he comes to Nehemiah, Artaxerxes and he says, what's your request? And he says, I prayed to the God of heaven. How long do you think this prayer was? I mean, he didn't have a lot of time. What's your request? Oh, God, help. I mean, that's pretty much. I, I don't know that that's verbatim. I'm not inspired nor infallible or inerrant. But I imagine... It was really close to something like that. Because he didn't have, he's like, hold on a moment. Let me, let me make a time of prayer. He's like, Lord help, Lord help. And what he says is amazing. He says, send me to Judah to rebuild the city of my fathers. And Artaxerxes grants the request and he becomes an answer to the prayer that he made in chapter 1 out of nowhere. What I want to tell you this morning is that when doors to service open for you, unless you're very unusual, because as I go through these passages, you know, just think about the people of God who serve the Lord faithfully.
How many of them were like, this is the moment I've been waiting for? That was not Nehemiah's response. It was not Moses' response. What did Moses say when God came to him? He said, hey, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. I'm going to deliver them with a great deliverance. And Moses said, I can't go. I, I can't speak well. I just get somebody else. That was Moses' response. What was Peter's response when the Lord showed up to him in the boat? What did, what did Peter say after he said, no, we ain't caught no fish? Jesus said, let the net down the other side. You remember the story? And they haul in a great number of fish. What did Peter say when Jesus came to him after the great catch? Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What did John the Baptist do on the island of Patmos? He fell down like a dead man. What did Barak do whenever, he, whenever Deborah called him out to be the leader to overthrow the Philistines? I'm not going unless you go with me. Over and over again, what did Gideon do? What was Gideon's response when the angel of the Lord came up and said, you're going to be a great deliverance for Israel? He's like, well, let me throw out this fleece, and let me throw out this fleece, and let's get a bunch of people. Are we sure we got to cut down on the army? He had not the confidence that he was the person that was being called to do the job of deliverance. All these people longed for these things. All of these people were longing for the Lord to do these things, but every single one of them assumed that God would be doing this through someone else. But God will use you to do things that you think, hope, pray, somebody else will have to do. Nehemiah became the answer to his own prayer. He saw that Jerusalem was in a bad state. He saw that things were messed up. And he said, Lord, have mercy on your people. And the next day, he's standing in front of Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes says, what do you want to happen? And he said, well, send me. What did Isaiah say when God appeared in the temple? Did he say, this is the moment I've been waiting for? He said, I am a man of unclean lips. Amongst people of unclean lips. And I am ruined. Yet, he was appointed to carry the word of the Lord to the nations and to us for all time. But when the Lord appeared to him, he did not know that that is what he would be called to do. When opportunity knocks, when service becomes open, when there is a door revealed to you, something that needs to be done, if you think somebody else should do it, you're in good company. But the Lord wants to use you to do things you think you're incapable of doing, and in fact, you are. You cannot do what God has called you to do unless the Lord goes with you. Nehemiah was given favor, amazing favor, before King Artaxerxes. And the things which he planned, God brought to pass. Everything that he committed to the Lord, the Lord did so that he had seen a great miracle. So this morning, think about the opportunities. What is it that bugs you? What aggravates you? What things do you wish you could join in doing? Or what things do you wish would be done? Why can't you be the answer to that? Why can't, how do you know you're not like Nehemiah, seeing things that also the Lord sees, but you are the one prepared to make the difference? See, the reason we start spiritual gifts with service is because you won't see your gifts really manifest until you're in the midst of serving the church. Look for service first and the gifts will follow. 
And what I want to tell you this morning is that God has gifted you for service and he has been preparing you for service your entire life, even before you were a Christian. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, of course, Jeremiah also surprised by what God had called him to do. Here's what the Lord said to Jeremiah. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was a grown man when he found this out. Jeremiah didn't know when he was a child. His parents did not know. No one knew. But Jeremiah's letters and his prophecies and his speaking of the Messiah and the kingdom of come would be, to come would be read thousands of years later. He had no idea. He was just a normal person. Grew up playing with the kids that lived on his block. Did the regular stuff that people do. And one day the Lord comes to him and says, Before you were born, set you apart for this task. Before you were born, God set you apart for the task that you will do in your life in the service to the kingdom. You must do it. You like Jeremiah. Do you think that Jeremiah felt like he was the man for the job? Do you think that when Deborah became a judge over Israel that she thought this is what I was supposed to do the whole time? No, none of these people felt like they were equipped to do these things. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Ephesians 2, 10. Before you were born, God had set about tasks that you were called on to do. Before you were born, from all eternity, you have a part to play in kingdom work. And so what I'm afraid that we do when we start hearing about spiritual gifts and those sorts of things, we try to figure out what our gift is and then we try to put it into something that we want to do and we don't know what that is. And as long as we keep that in sort of vague terms, we can live a sort of unsettled but peaceful life because we never have to take up the mantle and do anything. And you'll be surprised when you begin to serve. You'll be very surprised when you begin to serve. The things that you will do for the kingdom of God, I can guarantee you this. This is 100% guaranteed. When I went to seminary to be a pastor, I never thought, one day, I'll probably be leading the singing in the church with a banjo. That never occurred to me in my wildest dreams. And I would not say that I am uniquely gifted to do those things, but we, we have to wind up saying at some point like Isaiah... Here am I, Lord, send me. Whatever we can do for the sake of the kingdom of God, we do it. And we do it the best we can. And when you do those things, you will expose yourself. People will judge you. People will comment. People will think things. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Keep going. Put your hand to the plow. Don't turn back. Do the best that you can do for the sake of the kingdom of God. Nehemiah had no spiritual gift test to help him. He did not get to fill out a multiple choice essay. And when he got done, he didn't go, whoa, hey, look, I have the spiritual gift of rebuilding Jerusalem and keeping our enemies from killing us while I'm there. No, no list. No preparation whatsoever like that. Neither did Moses, by the way. 
He did not know that God had set him apart for this thing, and you don't know that God set you apart for something either. And I can guarantee you when it comes, it will be a surprise for you. I, I, can I embarrass you slightly, Angela? Just slightly. Sure. How long have you been going to Tanzania now? 15 years. The first time you went there, did you think, this is going to be my life's work. I'm going to settle down with Pastor Joyce and come back every year and work and work and work. No. Didn't, they, didn't you do a children's? Yes. Okay. 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So 15 years ago, Angela goes on a trip to Tanzania, not even sure she really wanted to go all that much, had to go and teach children a thing which she had never done. And here she is 15 years later advocating for that ministry, and we're part of it. And we've been going back for years. You don't know. You do not know how the Lord will open the door. I think about Amy's grandfather, Pop, that this is, what, 60 years ago, goes to India and meets a man named M.A. Thomas. He did not know that he would help M.A. Thomas from one church and three orphan children over the course of 60 years to plant 90,000 churches and go from three orphans to caring for thousands of orphans. No idea. No clue. In fact, if you just sat down and took an assessment of such things, you would never even try because you'd think there's no way that this thing could come to pass. But it starts small, like a mustard seed. That's how the kingdom of heaven is. Starts small like a mustard seed, and it grows to be one of the largest trees. Jesus said, so even the birds of the air can go and nest in them. Do not despise the day of small things, the word of God says. When the door opens for you to serve, you should go through it. Even if you don't feel like you can. If you feel like somebody should, maybe you should. Why not? You may not know what you're supposed to do. And as you think on your service to your life, just sort of for a moment, if we could just blank slate here and think about the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. You're his soldier in the kingdom of God. You are his vessel. The king appointed you to do something. What is it? What are you doing? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? That should be your overarching and highest priority in your life. What are you doing? Of course, worship the Lord. Love the Lord. But serve the Lord. How are you serving Him? You, you may say, I'm, I'm raising a family. Okay, you're raising a family. How are you investing the kingdom of God into your family? Are you discipling them? Are you, as the Bible says, when they wake up in the morning, are you going over the word when they lay down at night? Do you go through the word with them? Are you discipling them on the roadside, on the way, wherever they're going? How are you serving the Lord? What do you do in this church? And I'm not saying this just so we can get volunteers for ministries that already exist. You may invent ministries that we don't even know should exist. What are you doing? 
I do not know that my life will have the impact of Nehemiah that uh, I'm going to go rebuild a city or anything like that. I don't know. I just want to be obedient in the doors that the Lord opens for me. I want to walk through. When I called Pop, the first church that ever called me to be their pastor, they called. And I didn't know what to do because how would you? <laughs> am I supposed to have a burning bush? Is the Lord going to speak audibly? How am I supposed to know if I'm going to go to this church or not? So I called Pop. He'd been a pastor for 40 years. And I said, Pop, how do you know you're supposed to go to a church? What, what do you do? He said, well, son, when the church called me, I just didn't have any more sense than to go. That's how he went. The church called, and off he went. That's how it worked. He said the first time he ever got called to a church, he went and preached this little church out in the middle of nowhere as supply. And he got back to his home, and the next day he went out in the mailbox, and one of the people had drove, driven up from church, I guess it was the most literate one, and had torn off a piece of a grocery sack and had written on the grocery sack a note that said, Dear Brother Terrell, we have called you to be our pastor. Well, I think he said they'll pay him 15 bucks a week. It was not much. He said, I looked at that. They're going to pay me 15 bucks a week. My car note was 80 bucks a month. And he thought, well, I guess I'm going to go be their pastor. <laughs> and the Lord blessed him. I don't know what you're going to do. My job as your pastor is to equip you to do the thing that God has called you to do. But you're the one who's going to have to serve. You're the one who's going to have to dream. And you're the one who's going to have to be the answer to the prayer you give to God. Lord, somebody should do something about this. And the Lord says, I agree. Someone should. You do it. Being equipped for, the ser for service in the kingdom of God is something that every single Christian has. You are gifted to serve. Service comes first. You cannot have moments of this self-doubt that I, who am I, I can't do anything, Moses. Lord, I'm not sure if I really should do this, Gideon. God, go away, I am a sinful man, Peter. Every single one of these people had these moments, all of them. But you have to do stuff. You look out there into our community and into the world and think about this. The world looks like it's going downhill, right? So what are we going to do? Grab about it? Complain? Shake our fist? You know what the world needs? People to get saved. They need people's hearts to be changed. Who are you witnessing to? Who are you talking to about the Lord? It's not going to do much good to complain about it. The thing that this world needs is Jesus. Who are you? Well, you're a child of the king, equipped to do service. Good works have been planned for you from before the foundation of the world. And God speaks so tenderly to Jeremiah and says, Before you were born, I set you apart. And the Bible confirms this. He set you apart, Jesus. Before you were born, he loved you. Before you drew your first breath, he had a plan for you. He had work set out for you. And wherever you go, he promises, he will go with you, even to the end of the age. 
the Lord is with you, you will do mighty things in his name. Serve the Lord and know his power. Serve the Lord and know his faithfulness. Serve the Lord and know that he alone can deliver. You can do it. You must do it. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that you will help us. As we begin to look at service and the gifts that you give us to equip us for service, I pray that everyone in here will become convinced and convicted that they are called by you to work in the kingdom of heaven and that every job we do is important. From taking care of children with joy to teaching Sunday school classes with joy to witnessing to our neighbors to showing hospitality to them, fellowshipping with one another. Lord, I pray that whatever we do, we will do with all of our might. I pray that you will begin to work today in our church to draw people out into service where they had not gone before. And that, Lord, when you open the door, that they, with full confidence in you, will go through it. Lord, I would love to see people, uh, men in here, called into ministry. I would love to see people in here called into missionary service. I would love to see people called in here to ministries that I can't even imagine. Lord, I pray that you will help us. Help us be bold and help us be wise. In Jesus' name we pray.